Did you know that the country of Ecuador was named after the equator? Did you know that we haven't had anyone on the show yet that has studied abroad in Ecuador? And finally, did you know that Sierra Powell received a Gilman Scholarship, which is a very prestigious award, to go there? So yeah, we're going to learn about Ecuador. We're going to learn about how to set up your own projects. We're going to learn about aid, which uh, we're going to find out could be a completely different show, according to Sierra. And yeah, it's it's a different interview. It's good. It's fun. Um, enjoy. The three biggest reasons only 10% of students study abroad. They're afraid of being homesick, they don't think it's safe, and the number one reason people don't study abroad is cost. We're here to dispel all that, find out exactly how that 10% crafted their study abroad journey, and how you can too. I'm Chris Carlton, and this is the Study Abroadcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the Study Abroadcast. We have Sierra Powell today, and another study of broadcast first, she went to Ecuador. She's been other places. She'll talk about that too a little bit, but uh, Sierra, thank you very much for being here. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing very well. I'm excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you. So um, let's, get it, let's get into it. Why, yeah. why did you choose Ecuador? Yeah. Um, you know, I, so I graduated, I just recently graduated. Uh, I studied international relations in Spanish and I minored in Latin American studies. Um, so I knew I wanted to go somewhere in Latin America Mm -hmm. and I, I had tried to, you know, apply for different scholarships that weren't affiliated or programs that weren't affiliated with my university uh, or Mm -hmm. my college, and it wasn't very easy, and so I just started visiting with uh, one of my Spanish advisors, and we came up with Ecuador, and uh, the whole intent was to conduct an internship that I could apply to my international relations seminar and Spanish seminar, so... We picked Ecuador. It was amazing, and I was able to graduate with everything I did there. Awesome. Okay. And um, tell me a little bit about the 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 Gilman Scholarship, then, because that's yeah. that's kind of how we got introduced. Um, yes. Yeah. So tell me about that. What was the application process? Sure. Well, first of so, all, can you talk about Gilman and what it is? Or yes. So uh, Benjamin A. Gilman International Scholarship, the the very nice long title. Um, it's a uh, congressionally funded scholarship. It's through the U.S. Department of State. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, I would say it's very prestigious. Um, um, since 2001, I would say like plus minus 25,000 U.S. students have been able to go. And the, the main intent or the driver of this specific scholarship is to help those that um, may be you know, underrepresented in study abroad or may, that also need like a more assistance, they may have a high financial need. So through the US Department of State, um, and it's not any lengthier than any other scholarship. There's two essays and then you know a lot of background on you so those that are reading your application can get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I applied, I'm from Montana, and I think the application when I applied opened in January, it closed sometime in March, and I found out later on that month. and. I went to Ecuador. 
Yeah. And you went to Ecuador. Yeah. I went to Ecuador. <laughs> they so, paid for everything, which was kind of the amazing thing. That's one thing on the scholarship I thought was unique from other ones is you, you provide how much it's going to cost in quite a bit of detail. And um, I, I think they work really hard to ensure that they can supply you with that opportunity. I think the, the award amounts go up to $5,000. Uh-huh. And mine was only like 3000 you know, so I didn't request the full five and they still paid for everything in its entirety for me. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And you, so you went, what semester did you go? I went in the summertime. In the so summer. spring so, semester. Yep. So many people are going in the summer. I feel, and like not only going, studying abroad in the summer, but taking summer classes. I feel like that's just like, you can do, yeah. I can just say yeah. summer semester now, you know, but I understand. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so you arrive in Ecuador, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And tell me about, did, first of all, uh, did you have any fears or doubts before you left? And oh, I guess with this question, <laughs> well, with this question, backing up, you mentioned you also did a faculty-led uh, study abroad in, in, in Spain, yeah. right? So was yep. this before or after that? So Ecuador was after, um, I went to Spain in 2000, in the summer of 2016, I used to do track. So that was part of the reason why uh-huh. I picked summer yeah. and then just with extra classes, summer kind of was, um, the most convenient time. So Spain was first. Um, and then I, I did the Ecuador one. The Ecuador one, um, was much more independent and it was kind of more of like a Guinea pig type of a program, um, so it was kind of, you know, difficult applying for some things, which is when, where the Gilman came in handy. They really supported that independent research that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that came after. Okay. All right. So either way, we're kind of gaining that you're pretty well versed in uh, Spanish at this point, right? <laughs> A little bit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Talk with me now. Yeah. No, 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 I won't. Uh, I... Uh, yeah, I did Buenos Aires too, and I I just feel bad. like you always feel like you should be doing better or knowing more, but especially like when you go to the country in order to learn the language. But mm. yeah, okay. So so now yeah, but the fears and reserv the doubts and reservations because it is Ecuador, right? And yeah. it's not Spain. So so yeah. So tell me about that. Like, what were you thinking before you left? What was going through your head? Um, I, I, I get more scared of the unknown. And so, uh, I was more nervous that I didn't know what to expect. And so I did a lot of research, um, which is kind of one thing you have to do anyways with the Gilman. They want you to know where you're going. And so I went on the U S department of state's website, um, kind of read through their, you know, travel advisory. I did a little bit of research, um, on the politics there. This was also for my, um, some of the research I was conducting. And so I, I pretty much understood it was going to be socially, culturally, politically different than the U.S. Um, and I was going, you know, there were other students that were going for other reasons, um, medical, biology sort of studies, mm-hmm. uh, but I wasn't going to stay with them necessarily. And so I was pretty much going as a woman by myself to Latin America. Right. Um, so I was pretty nervous. Right. So wait, and then you, so you were nervous. So there's that aspect, like with the country and Ecuador. And then also you mentioned that you're, so you did this internship, right? Mm-hmm. And and you designed it yourself. Yeah. Okay. So how, and so did you do that through Gilman or was that through your school? Like, how did you do that? I, what was yeah, it? And yeah. I applied for it through Gilman and that's kind of what made it. In, so, okay. So, um, with international at, for Carroll college to graduate, mm-hmm. you take a seminar course um, every major has a different one. Both of mine were 
quite writing intensive, required, you know, um, kind of like conducting your own sort of analysis or analyses based on data that you would collect. The more creative and innovative, um, you know, the more impressive it could be. And so um, I wasn't the only one trying to think of something great. But I, with the Latin American Studies minor um, and some of my own interests, I was wanting to study uh, the efficacy of foreign aid. And like, like from us to them, yeah, from us okay, okay. to Latin American Caribbean regions. Um, yeah. And I thought it would be uh, so much more great to not just look at numbers, but to actually speak to residents of a country that probably um, unintentionally or intentionally were affected by such aid and to see what they think of it if they think. Um, that it's helpful if their government, you know, can develop their countries on their own without the assistance If you know, what they think of international relations. I thought that, and I still believe that, um, you know, a public personal testimony is much better than just uh, reading someone else's data or, you know, tallying up numbers. And so that's kind of how it came into being. Now, going to Ecuador, not a lot of people were going to Ecuador from my college there was, I remember a professor that was a, a biology professor wanted students to go down there or was developing a program for them yeah. to go down there, you know, to look at plants and stuff. So I was really just unique and alone. Um, and there weren't a lot of scholarships um, available to me. Again, I'm from Montana. Um, there's not a lot of study abroad participation. It's not like yeah. New York yeah. or California. So the availability mm -hmm. was different. Yeah. Gilman, was really helpful in that I think they loved not only the fact that I was creating something my, for myself, you know, to do to help me graduate. Yeah, uh, it was something that I was interested in to do post, you know, post college for a career. And it was Ecuador; it wasn't like going to Italy or Spain. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think Gilman. I don't. I mean, I don't know, but I think they loved the idea. They funded the opportunity, and I was able to go there on this thing that I created in my college thought that was great and they helped me every step of the way to make sure I was you know safe good to go ready or right. as ready as I could be <laughs> so so that I think that's kind of the formula so you were able to develop this own thing your own thing and by the way guys I, I talk about this in the paper that I do because it's what I did kind of but it's not specific to Sierra's school to to Carol uh, so you can do independent study classes and do it abroad. So basically, you designed this and wrapped it into your application, and they yeah. and they and they footed the bill. And yes. and then so going further into it too, it's also a lot easier. Gilman is, you said it's congressional, but there are other government sponsored scholarships, uh, and then there are other scholarships in general. But okay. generally, it's easier to get a scholarship if you're going to Ecuador than, I mean, in your case, if you're going to Spain or England, it's easier to get a scholarship if you're going to Russia or Saudi Arabia than it is yeah. Australia or France. And so, I think part of the idea with that is to be a cultural ambassador, right? They want yeah. you to go everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I and mean, then it gets further like into languages and the, it's just the whole thing. Okay. So like the kind of, the more into the, I, I'll, the, into the shit that you go like the the more it's easy to get grants i guess yep. is what i'll say um uh okay also now we're moving on so you get to ecuador and you've got this program here we go we're off and running what yeah. uh what was your first of all what was your living situation like oh gosh so um for about the first i think about almost two weeks like the first 10 days um 
we were able to stay with a nonprofit organization, Families with Heart. So, so um, to explain that, uh, the professor that was kind of wanting to create something with biology related, you know, mm-hmm. um, he had gotten some students, uh, four, I believe, that were able to go um, on their own program. And I, I pretty much tagged along on that for about the first week, uh, maybe almost two weeks. And right. we stayed with the nonprofit Families with Heart. Um, it was in Puerto Quito, which is um, a very, very uh, rural town, agricultural type of society. Yeah. And we stayed on a cacao farm a few miles outside of the main town, which... I would compare that town to a small town in Montana, but I don't think your listeners would know much about that. So very, very small, <laughs> very rural. Um, so just to give an idea, we stayed on a cacao farm. Um, we did not have uh, like our own vehicle. Um, we did not have Wi-Fi. Uh, we had to hike through the jungle uh, to get to a home that had Wi-Fi. Wait, wait, wait. So when had- you when you say we, how many is we? Oh, the, the other four student. Four okay, so, students? so yeah. there's five of you total. Yeah. All right. And we were, and essentially the home we were staying in wasn't necessarily a home. It was like a, uh, so this nonprofit essentially helps families with um, children that may have some sort of disability. And part of it is just to like enhance their socialization, their social interactions. So like arts and it's with, um, alongside of a church that they collaborate with. And so we stayed in this sort of a home that was partially a church cafeteria, um, that had an area for like arts and crafts for learning and like a a small garden for, you know, kids to play. And so it wasn't necessarily for us as much as we were crashing to kind of get comfortable for us to get on our own feet, you know? Yeah. And we stayed there and we, we had, you know, it was amazing. We, we got pretty close. I would say, um, it was, yeah, an amazing experience for me. Just, to, you know, I had to sleep in a twin bed with like this huge bug net. Uh, it's, it's like 99% humidity. Where I'm from, it's extremely, extremely dry. I'm in the mountains, you know. Yeah. Um, it was completely different. We had no Wi-Fi. That was a huge change for me. To get Wi-Fi, we had to hike through the jungle with a machete, you know, wearing boots that like go up to your knees so the little critters can't bite your legs. Mm-hmm. And to walk into town was just this like single dirt road for a few miles. You know, sometimes we would try to like hitch a ride on the back of someone's truck to drive us into town so that maybe we could, you know, get to the public bus station. <laughs> it was completely so you're, different. You're, what yeah, I'm used to. you're seriously describing like scenes in movies of the scientists <laughs> that I see that are like out in the field. That's what that's what it is. That's it, what I'm. It was seriously, yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought I knew what rule was, and then I went there, and I was like, holy crap. And, yeah. I mean, it was so cool, too. I mean, and when you go outside, we had, like, cacao plants, orange, lemon trees. It was it was so beautiful, so cool, completely different. Okay, awesome. And then, so what is, so now, so you're on the trucks, and you're dredging through Ecuador. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah, literally, it's funny because that dredging gets thrown around a lot but you're literally literally yeah. are what is like you're there for the summer what is like a typical day for you then um i think the typical day kind of changed from the beginning to the end so i'd, I'd say at the beginning a typical day was we stayed in that home um we would wake up um one of the, the directors of that program she would usually come in the morning 
um, she had like a, a helper with her, mm-hmm. uh, taught us how to, you know, uh, make our own juices, make different kind of dishes like umitas and stuff so that we could feed ourselves. Um, and then oftentimes we would maybe go to church with them or, you know, maybe some kids would be coming. And so we would try to leave um, in busier time. When I first got there, it was quite a bit difficult for me to begin my my research um, right. and because I was not very well versed. And so it was really me joining on these biology or, um, you know, sort of expeditions that the other students were going on. And then we would run into doctors or like we would stop at a medical center or something. And then I would kind of sneak off and try to conduct some interviews, you know, and then it kind of led to some sort of networking that I was meeting all of these people. Or if we decided to go into town to eat dinner, I would leave and try to go to a different shop or a store or a bar and try to um, interview people. And so it was really informal. Um, I, I would say kind of messy, but you know, it was very fun. And then once I got comfortable and I had to start traveling on my own, um, I think it got a little bit more organized. I was able to kind of plan things out. I kind of understood, you know, public transits and things like that. So the day-to-day kind of changed throughout when I had to live on my own as opposed to when I was staying with this nonprofit that treated us more like family, I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, that's a that's a good description of it. Yeah. Uh, and so you had to go out into all these areas, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's uh, move forward then. Did you go anywhere else outside of Ecuador when you were there? I didn't travel. So I didn't travel outside of Ecuador as much as I traveled throughout many different cities in Ecuador to kind of um, broaden my data, I suppose, to not just go to rural areas, but maybe also visit the capital cities or, you know, going to the coastal sites just so I could get a more validated um, or justified sort of research. Yeah. Um, Because Gilman had paid for that, I I was hoping to be able that summer to make um, plans to do something else um, to visit my friend. And because they paid for that, I actually had enough money afterwards. This is a terrible thing. I didn't stay in Latin America to travel on my own. Um, it's kind of difficult to do that as a woman. Um, so and it, it's, yeah, simply enough, it's just difficult. I ended up visiting my friend in Spain afterwards towards the end of that month so not only did i like go to south america then i just ended up going to europe after the fact and i got lost there too so you think you're great at what you do and the spanish is completely different and so you think you're great at speaking spanish and then you find out you know you're still a foreigner (laughs) sure yeah No, no no okay and um before i get into the next part of the interview so it's kind of the interview structured as like a work hard play hard and the first part is work hard, and we're getting into the play now. And, and yours is different too, and that's why I'm asking you this question. But as yeah, far as your internship goes, what, like, what were the findings from it, or like, did you? Yeah, did, yeah. Sure. So I would say, um, and of course, this is an asinine answer, but I think the findings is that more research is necessary. Um, really, I'll explain my conclusions, but really the conclusions that I found through the research, and I'm I'm more proud of them to admit that than, you know, being so prideful um, and saying that I, I found the perfect solutions. There were so many vari- variables that I couldn't control for. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that I think would be essential to some sort of research like this to actually determine if foreign aid um, is efficient and its means. Um, and the reason I wasn't able to control for all of these variables, like political controls or, you know, if people are giving foreign aid for altruistic reasons is time and lack of resources on my part. Um, but some of my findings were <laughs> when you're comparing countries um, on a more macro level, I suppose, um, it's really, really difficult to say that foreign aid always helps. Um, Haiti receives, you know, almost four times the amount of foreign aid that Ecuador receives. Um, however, in terms of development, um, some could argue Haiti is not as developed as Ecuador, um, uh-huh. which is difficult. Um, on a more personal level, I think in a lot of my interviews, I found um, my results also differing depending on where people lived, like okay. those living in capital cities as to those that are living in more under-resourced areas. Um, it seemed as though from some of the data that I gathered from my interviews, and all of them were anonymous, um, was that the foreign aid was not necessarily reaching the more under-resourced areas. And so their responses um, were maybe a little bit not less patriotic, saying that, you know, the government of Ecuador could do it themselves um, as much as they were hoping they could get the help and they, they weren't getting as much as they thought, you know. Or maybe they were getting the help and there were also negative responses like, um, you know, some people would come and want to build a school, but the school was uh, worse than, you know, what the government normally had built. And it seemed as though people just wanted to go there and take photos and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, they the responses varied. I think overall it was quite depressing, um, very informative, very enlightening, and um, a lot more research needs to be done before I could give any solid conclusions, I suppose. So the research yielded that you need more research. research. Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, if we get people yeah. listening to this, maybe we can get someone to like contact you and like follow in your footsteps for like, like just do like basically do it again. And then, you, it. yeah, like every semester and then finally like we'll have some actionable <laughs> results that we can get, right? That would be amazing. I, yes, that would be amazing. I've always wondered that too about aid. I, I have no, like I don't, I, I can't even begin, but like just the allocation of resources and like, like down to, I mean, if you're like in a business, like they know like how much that bottle of water costs and who's like they know, but like, I feel like with aid, a lot of times it's just like kind of dumped on places. And I mean, and, even if you consider the populations from the countries that are giving aid, I mean, a lot of people think uh, when you look at studies that relate to this, that we give too much aid and a lot of people estimate we're giving 10% or plus and we're giving, I believe it's still less than half of 1% you know, of our yearly GDP to foreign aid. And so a lot of people think we're helping too much. Um, when you, it totally depends on who you're asking, who you're talking to. And when you, you know, divide that up further, totally changes. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure we could have just like a completely separate interview about this. Maybe, (laughs) maybe we will. I don't know. So, okay. Now did anything when you were there, did anything go like completely wrong or did anything funny happen or can you oh, share God. maybe a story that that something that stuck out? Yeah, um, something that went completely wrong and something funny. Okay, so I think well, something that went completely wrong uh, could be. So when I first got there, I got there, I think around sixteen twenty hours before the other students were expected to arrive, and I so I've been abroad before. 
And I would have been very disappointed in myself. And I still would have been, you know, very disappointed in myself if I just stayed in the airport and waited for everyone else to arrive. And so I decided, I went to the coffee shop um, in the airport, kind of asked where the cool places were to go, like maybe a great shopping center or great places to eat um, I, or a place with museums. I remember asking that too. I wrote all of these things down. And then I hopped on one of the very many buses there and public transportation in Latin America Oftentimes, it's even just a guy yelling out of the window what destinations they're going to. And then you just like run and jump on, you know, <laughs> like it's not super organized. So I hopped on one of those buses. Um, I did not end up going where I thought I would be going. Uh, made the most of it anyways. I think I wanted to go somewhere with museums. And I ended up in this town that had like a lot of different little sh- like coffee shops, um, bread shops, and almost like a little mini mart that I right. acted like was a mall. And I walked around it for like 20 minutes just looking at fruits and vegetables and stuff. And anyway, so I'm just exploring. And then I tried to go back to the airport for when the other students were going to get there. And I got lost. I went on like four or five different buses. And I kept trying to ask people. And everyone wants to help you. But also, it's, it's almost like no one knew where I was trying to go. You know, everyone's like, oh, yes, you want to go west and then get on the bus that has the blue stripes um, with green lights on the top. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then like I look and there's four buses with blue stripes. And I'm like, what? Well, I don't know what bus to get on. So I'll just pick this one, you know, or you tell this guy and maybe he just wants your money. And so he's like, yes, yes, we're going to the airport. Of course, we're going to the and they don't go to the airport. So that would be my horror. I ended up getting back to the airport. Um, I got lost. Um, I did not cry. It was honestly just like running a mile. Like I was honestly just happy that I made it back. Um, so that would be my horrible story, getting lost on my first day in the first few hours. Um, a funny story I think would be, I, uh, was like looking in a church and there was a baptism going on Mm -hmm. and I ended up, uh, like participating in that, like a first communion, um, sitting there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ended up staying and they really, really liked me and I ended up staying with this family for like one week or so. Wow. People are so much more hospitable outside of the United States, aren't they? I met, and I, honest, funny, I was speaking to one of the, so like the families lived together. So there was like the grandma, the aunts, and the uncles all living in the same home. And with one of the aunts, I was visiting with her yesterday. And Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to visit them this summer. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so you're thinking about going back? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Oh, so it's not if, it's when, huh? Yeah, it's more of a win. I just need the money to do. <laughs> and, uh, well, yes. Too bad Gilman can't help you there, huh? I know. Gosh, I know. Uh, that's okay. We'll figure something out. Yes. So, okay. Well, thanks for sharing those. And as far as the bus goes, uh, it might have not have been organized, but I think maybe the opposite and the exciting part, even though it didn't, is the spontaneity. Oh, that, that goes with that bus. It just sounds like you're just showing up and just like picking up, you know, like the the. I don't know if the fa- fantasy is the right word to describe it, but just like going to an airport and just like picking a place and going. Exactly. Without, yeah. yeah. But it's like that, but, but for buses in Ecuador. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then let's see here. So since, uh, can you, t- okay. So now can you speak a little bit about the Ecuadorian food and what that was like? Is there a certain dish? I'm not familiar with Ecuadorian food at all. So Yeah, sure. Um, gosh, so I, I didn't go to, a, I went to a few restaurants, I guess, but 
Um, I had a lot of like home cooked meals as well. Um, so I would say what's pretty common is rice, beans, and a meat. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the most common, so maybe like a fried fish or like trout or salmon or um, beef um, or chicken with rice and um, maybe even like a salad with beans, you know. Um, when I was staying with that family, that I would say that would be the most common dish, I suppose. Um, when I was on the coastal side, um, ceviche was also really good. That's um, Have you ever had ceviche before? You were in Argentina. Yes. Yeah, okay. So maybe, you know, like we could say it's like shrimp or like a fish, a seafood, yeah. and the lemon-lime juice, more or less. It's I really say. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, um, I would say fruits and vegetables. Um, I remember patacones, which are plantains. It's okay. almost like a really salty banana, and they would chop them up um, and basically like fry them in oil. And it was almost like having chips, but they were plantains. Those were really, really good. And then I remember having a, the, a dessert that I really, really miss. They're called bunuelos. And they are, it's almost like a, a round fried donut, but way better. And then I think it's more of like a holiday dish, but because I was there, you know, they made them instead, you know. But I think it's for Christmas, if I remember correctly. And it's basically fried dough, like a donut. Um, and then you can like dip it in honey. Those wow. are so good. So, so good. Okay. Wow, so that yeah, that sound all that stuff sounds really good. Yeah. Just basically yeah, just basically anything out of the ordinary that you can't get here is what I love hearing about because then <laughs> sometimes I try to like cook it and yeah. Oh okay. yeah. And especially if you try to do it in the US. I mean the ingredients are probably different as well, right? It wouldn't mm-hmm. even taste the same totally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so something I've been asking people recently is uh in case someone's listening across the pond or over in Asia or down in Latin America. Can you talk about uh, Carroll College oh, sure. and, and why you decided to go there and what that was like? Yeah. So um, Carroll College is, uh, it's a pretty small campus in Helena, Montana. Um, it's a liberal arts college. It's uh, Roman Catholic, but it's not, you know, extremely religious. You don't have to be Catholic to mm-hmm. go to Carroll College, yeah. and no one will try to impose their Catholicism on you either. Um, it, so it's a small college, maybe like plus or minus 2,000 students. Um, I decided to go there. I honestly, I did not know what I wanted to do when I, I graduated high school. I just knew I didn't want to stop playing sports, and I did not want to go out of state. And so I ended up doing track in college, um, but college is expensive. Um, I came from an amazing family, um, just a bit under-resourced and financially, and so I had to pay for college. So I had to quit. I had to quit track and work more because I wanted to con- continue going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I like to brag about Carol. They have the small classroom sizes, the really really nice teachers that are willing to you know respond to your emails at three a.m. or meet with you at like seven a.m. before a final or something. You know, right? Um, so I really wanted to graduate from there, and so I quit track. And I originally was going there just to study Spanish. Um, my best friend is from Catalonia in Spain on the eastern side, and so I wanted to learn Spanish. Um, I had already, you know, I knew a little bit, and they had Spanish classes, and then that Spanish professor there as my advisor, um, 
Dr. Hallows. He was like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? We had a real moment-to-moment talk, and I realized I had no idea what I wanted to do. He thought I would be interested in politics and from getting to know me, so I dived into international relations, and I just fell in love and loved them both. It got me wanting to travel and loving politics, and I ended up going to Carroll College, graduating, and yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the, to that end, so you did graduate. What are you What are you up to now? Can you share that with us? Yeah, so I, um, you know, I'm honestly just waiting to hear back from Fulbright. I applied for a Fulbright, um, and, and and waiting. I am trying to save money and also have like a nice resume. And so I um, am right now working for the 66th legislative session in Montana for the Montana House of Representatives. I'm the vote clerk. Oh wow. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I'm doing that right now. And hopefully, uh, right now, I'm a semifinalist for the Fulbright. And so between March and May, I'll find out if I'll, you know, be a Fulbright. Right. Wait. So, wait, so tell me what's, what's Fulbright? If you win that, what does that do then? Yeah. Yeah. So, Fulbright is. Um, it's so, it's a U.S. Department of State, I, I would say, award, not scholarship. Um, it's an opportunity. There's different Fulbright awards, right? So you can apply for a master's, uh, maybe to conduct research, like I did in Ecuador for anyone that's um, graduated undergrad and wants to, you know, continue on with that research I did in Ecuador. Um, or you can apply for an English teaching assistantship, which is what I applied for. Um, and along with the ETA, for short, you have to kind of promote some something additional you would like to do. Um, while abroad, and I'm very interested in immigration. And so I applied to do an ETA in Spain, um, also with an emphasis on volunteering um, with this global issue immigration that we have right now. Sure. Um, yeah. It is. It really is a global issue. And yeah, it's a, it's a good area to learn more about too. So yeah, uh, I, I, I like your interests, Sierra. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's very, very of the times, I guess. I know, yeah, totally true. And now, um, I guess a little, little personal part about: it. Do you have any book recommendations you want to share, travel-related or otherwise? Doesn't have to be a travel necessarily. Yeah, I, I, so I was trying to think of great. I'm boring and nerdy. I think I don't know if I have any books that are amazing for travel. I think. Um, I have books related to like region of interest, but not necessarily travel related, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them that would enlighten you on different parts of the world. Um, I remember, so I like more, you know, I like books that maybe are more, um, have some sort of underlying context or might be informative to like a country or the politics. Um, and, and a great one that I read, and it relates to Haiti, I suppose, but it's by a Cuban author, and this Cuban author is great. Um, his name's Alejo Carpentier. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kingdom of This World is a great book, and I really like it also for people that like fun sorts of literature. Um, it kind of plays with um, The Marvelous Real, which is like, I don't know, I suppose a literary tool, you know? And sure. and I also like magic realism. It kind of plays with that. So I think that's a fun one. Really complex. It kind of gives you a little bit of insight into some, you know, politics and also a little bit about Haiti as it involves um, characters that are relevant to 
patient history, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess I like nerdy political reads. Um, I've read parts of Why Nations Fail, and that one, not travel related, but you know politics. And, it, and that, if you're going abroad, it might be enlightening for you to understand political differences or like the implications of wherever you're traveling. Mm-hmm. That one's also interesting, I guess, but nerdy and not super like you know fun reads, I guess. Maybe yeah, more. No, def- definitely. <laughs> no, thank. Yeah, I, every, different is good. Different is better. So, yeah, I. I mean, some of the books. Yeah, I, we've gotten different books every time. I think there've been a few repeats. I think there's been one of "Let My People Go Surfing." I think two people have recommended. But other mm-hmm. than that, everyone's got something that they want to share. So it's good. And now going off to the the nerdy tangent too. Is there any? Uh, are there any like po- podcasts or blogs or apps that you that you have that you want that you think would be useful? Mm-hmm. You know, so I would, but everyone listening would recommend this one. Um, I did some digging onto your podcast, and I think this is an amazing one. Otherwise, I think what I've been using a lot uh, in terms of, like, travel assistance um, or advice on different regions of the world would be um, the Gilman apps. Oh, Um, okay. So Gilman has an Instagram, Twitter feed, uh, Facebook they have, you know, all sorts of social media. And what's great about them for those that are Gilman alumni or are just considering applying for Gilman. And and even if you just want to like travel somewhere, people will just say, hey, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to Hong Kong. Is anyone there? Does anyone know what it's like? And nine times out of 10, someone's like, oh, I'm here or oh, I've been there or I have family there. And they'll help you out. No, it's funny. They're they're really big about that Gilman alumni thing. It's it's kind um, of a yeah that like, is, think- and, you know, I think that's what's so different from other scholarships is you apply for the scholarships it's more than just money you uh, like inherently become a part of a community and so I mean I still get emails today about you know do you want to learn how to exercise your skills um, after going abroad your Spanish language your uh, foreign language skills such like this and they'll have different talks webinars that you're invited to just because you're a Gilman alumni or a Gilman scholar Right. Okay. It's amazing. Yeah. No. Definitely. So, and then with the 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 these resources too. Do now? Do you have to be a Gilman alumni to access them? For the social media ones, no, absolutely not. You yeah. can, if even if you're just considering. So that, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. So even if you're yeah. So it's like it's a resource that like isn't meant for you, but you still have access to. Oh, absolutely. Which is which? Yeah. So a lot of people probably skip it or don't even consider doing it but it's, and it's, it's there totally, yeah and it's honestly just random people from all over the u.s that are just friends helping each other out please follow yes it's yeah. amazing okay yeah we'll uh we'll for sure link for those sure. in your in your post yeah definitely and then so and also so finally what would you tell a student who's thinking about studying abroad and not sure from someone who's who's done it twice technically yeah. Um, what would you What would you tell someone to do it maybe once? You know, I think I would say if you're feeling nervous or stressed, um, that's completely normal. And going with my nerdy tangents, I think stress is a superpower. It's the same feeling you get, you know, before a track meet when you're going to run a race and you're going to win. Um, I would say if if you're nervous or stressed, you know it's going to be a life-changing experience. And if you have the opportunity, I think that means you deserve it. And so you should absolutely take that opportunity. 
Great. Yeah. Thank you. And do you, is there, so we've gotten, we've done books, uh, social and digital recommendations. Mm-hmm. Is there a quote you want to share? A quote? Yeah. Well, I, I am too nerdy. I, you know, favorites are really difficult for me. I don't know if I have like a favorite, a favorite quote. I think. Wait, I can do more than one. The, uh, there's no limit to you can oh, make the, your post yeah. as long as you want it to be. Sierra. You know, and I even I even tried to ask some of my friends what some of their favorite quotes were, and they they absolutely just got nerdier from there. I think one that stuck out to me, and um, which was really interesting, I started reading some of it, not all. Um, it's from a book that's called Two Cheers for Anarchism. I am not an anarchist, and neither is this guy. That's why it's two cheers, not three, because he's skeptical. But one thing, <laughs> you know, he's that's, that's, that's pretty funny, um, yeah. <laughs> but one okay. thing that he says is one day you'll be called upon to break a big law in the name of justice and rationality. And while that is, like, super, super huge, you know, I think even instead of thinking of, like, outer world experiences, you need to make a difference in the world as, like, a good person, I think even just within and of yourself, you're going to have to do something huge one day that's going to break your mold and help sculpt who you're going to be in this world. And you you just got to do it. Yeah, sure. You just have to do it. And yeah. so... I don't know if that's necessarily my favorite quote as much as that is an amazing quote that I love that speaks to me now. Um, yeah, I think that one's great. You just have to do it sometimes. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's all I have, Sierra. Is there anything else you want to add? Um, go abroad and have a great time. And you can always ask me questions or follow the Gilman social yeah. media links and ask away. You should do it. No, you that should. Yeah. We should. I mean, that's why we're here. Uh, Terrific interview. Thank you very much for doing it. Guys, give me an honest review of the show. Hook up on social media for new interviews. Uh, You can sign up on the website. I can alert you that way too. Sierra, thank you very much for doing this, and we will talk to you soon, okay? Thank you so much for having me, of course. All right, great. But you're welcome. Bye. Oh, great job, Sierra. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check out all the really neat infographics on the rest of the posts as well as the interviews. There's a lot of good information. You should also download Studying Abroad 201. I really recommend it if you need kind of a fire lit under your ass for studying abroad and you need some motivation. It crafts my journey and exactly what I did. Also, we can email you new interviews or you can connect with us on social media. All right, thanks a lot.